0: daughter, and she's 10 months old, uh, and she's, she's just an absolute delight. She, she's crawling around now, and she's pulling herself up onto things, and um, when she first started to learn how to pull herself up, she didn't know how to get down, so just kind of let go and would just fall, right? <laughs> it's very very dangerous Um, but now she knows how to sit back down it's great and so she especially loves now that she has some mobility she loves when other like little kids are around that are just a little bit older Um, so like we have some uh, some friends who have two-year-olds or two-and-a-half year olds we have some neighbors who have some young kids and she loves just like chasing them around and just because they have so much life and activity and you know they can Make crazy sounds and they can move really fast, but they're still pretty pretty close to her size and all that, so she really likes it um, and uh, so sometimes we this is how our house is laid out we have a couch on one side and a couch on the other side, and in the middle, we just kind of like dump a bunch of toys and she crawls around and plays with the toys there. So if if kids come over, um, they play with those toys too, and our living room is a little bit small because it's the city, and so sometimes we just open the door and throw some toys out in the hall and she just goes (laughs) out into the hall and grabs a bunch of toys and our neighbor's kids will just come out and we'll just play together, Um, but inevitably, when, uh, when little kids play together, and especially when toys are kind of a, a mediating factor, um, eventually, one of the kids grabs one of the toys from the other kid and says, Mine! <laughs> Mine! And, uh, oops. It's okay, they're just kids, right? But what a great opportunity there. What a great opportunity there. Because the kid will grab the toy, say, mine, and then they'll go off and play by themselves with the toy. And, you know, they might have a great time by themselves, but actually, it's more fun, or at least we're trying to teach Blakely, it's more fun to share. Even though she doesn't understand words, right, so we can't be like, Blakely, you should share, because sometimes she'll do that, and she'll swat at some kid's head and grab a toy or whatever. (laughs) We can't just say, Blakely, you should share. Um, because it's gonna be more fun that way. She doesn't, she doesn't understand, um, but we get down with her and, and we grab the toy and we pass it back. And then we say, okay, pass it to me. And she'll throw it here and then we'll pass it back. And we kind of teach her that it could actually be really fun to share. Um, but so as we talk about spiritual gifts, sometimes we can be the kid that says, mine and go and hide in the corner and play with it ourselves. And actually, we need to learn, and this passage is going to inform us, how do we share these things with the body? And what are these things actually for? Are they meant for us? Or are they meant to be shared? Like, we have to ask these questions. And, and what informs that? And we'll see that Paul is teaching this church... Um, about these things. And so we look to Paul and we look to the scripture uh, and say, would you just inform us on these things? Um, and that's how, that's how it opens up is now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be uninformed. Okay. And so he's going to teach them. And let me just go back because we're in, we're in this very long uh, sermon series that actually started last uh, winter right? And we've been journeying through this passage for a very long time, and so it's easy to forget the things that have come before, um, just by nature of, of going through these things slowly. Um, and if you read this entire book in one sitting, which I did this week, um, we would remember things like this. In First Corinthians 2, uh, he called us to be saints— uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, he called us to be saints together, um, and in verse 7, so that we're not lacking in any gift. And this kind of this whole book is framed around informing us how to operate together and how to operate in our gifts. Um, so there we go. The, uh, this church is uninformed, but they clearly have this desire somewhat, though it's warped, to operate uh, in their spiritual gifts. Um, and... There are divisions that kind of have been coming up and disagreements on how Christians should operate uh, when it comes to communion. We heard last week, right? Uh, one dude's getting drunk off the communion wine while other people like are going without anything. Um, disagreements about sex. Disagreements about disagreements. How do we? How do we? get along when we disagree on things? Do I go to uh, a lawyer and say, uh, I want to sue my Christian brother because he wronged me? Is that how it works in the church? <clears throat> They're having issues with family, having issues with career stuff, um, and a whole bunch of things. And so, let's, let's not forget the whole foundation that, that came before this as we go on. Um, and we, we kind of realize there's this pattern. There's this pattern uh, in the heart, and Paul's always going straight for the heart. Uh, On on many of these issues, they kind of, it's the same heart problem almost, Um, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, And so, I think he slows down here, and he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, that even though it's the same heart problem, he wants to be really clear that like, hey, we're actually talking about this particular topic now, because spiritual gifts is very important for the church. This affects our life as a church, and life in the Spirit together has huge implications for us that can lead us into life, a flourishing and abundant life that Jesus came to bring, or with an abuse of spiritual gifts, it can lead to death, and that's bad. And so, even though he's kind of addressing the same heart issue, I think he wants us to be very clear about spiritual gifts. This is what we're talking about now. Um, And he'll actually spend the next few chapters talking about this. So, we're slowing right down. We're getting into the nitty-gritty because it's very important for us. Um, Might as well, in this verse, and it comes up more than once, but we might as well take this opportunity right now to... uh, to look at that word gifts. Um, so let's just think about a gift for a second. Uh, if I give you a gift, does that say necessarily anything about you? Like is that, is that about you in any shape or form? No. It's about me and my relationship with you. I love you, I appreciate you, I care about you, I want to express that, and so I went out and I picked something that I think you would like and I gave it to you. Um, you didn't go out and buy it, I went out and bought it. You didn't choose it, I chose it. Um, you may not love me, but I love you. That's the nature of a gift. It's not about you. It's about the gift giver. It's an expression from them. Um, cool. So, we'll keep talking about that because it'll, it'll come up over and over and over. Um, verse 2, we go on. So you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. This church is very young, and they get very prideful about certain things, and I think what Paul is doing here is kind of reminding them about something that's a reality, and that is there was a time where we worshiped something other than God. That's what a pagan is, basically a a non-Christian, so if you're in here and you, you don't love Jesus, you don't serve Jesus, you don't worship God. That's, that's what he's saying there. And he's kind of putting into this very broad category of pagan. <clears throat> um, and the thing about an idol, he says mute there, to mute idols. That's because idols don't speak. They don't, com- they don't have any message. They don't commute any- communicate anything. Um, they don't, they don't have give you hope. They don't give you life. They don't give you anything. And sometimes, even uh, he told us in chapter ten. In fact, probably most of the time, if there is some kind of spiritual attraction to an idol, it's probably a demon. He said this in chapter ten. It's demonic. And some of us operate that way still. And we think there. So for for God, God has uh, angels right? And some of these angels disobeyed God, and they, they're the demons, right? And so uh, spiritual things happen, and some of them are good, and some of them are evil. Uh, God has prophets, and Satan has false prophets. God has signs and wonders and miracles. Satan has false signs, wonders, and miracles to lead us astray as the church. So we need to be very careful when it comes to these things. That's why later on in the verse we see one of the spiritual gifts is the distinguishing of the spirits, the ability to discern what is of God and what is of Satan. Some of us are still there. That's where I I spent 23 years of my life worshiping mute idols. And when you say mute idols, it's not like I set up a little statue in my house and I bent before it, and I said, oh, mute idol, would you give me so-and-so-and-so? But that does play out for some people. That is exactly what it looks like. They they set up a shrine, and they they get down, and they offer sacrifices to it um, in hopes that this thing that doesn't speak, that doesn't give life, that doesn't have a message will give them something. Um, For me, this is how it played out. I worshipped uh, sex, I worshipped career, I worshipped uh, money, um, independence. Uh, all those kinds of things. And those were mute idols. They actually, uh, I thought they had a message. I thought their message was, you'll be fulfilled. You'll be a whole person. You will be happy. You will. Those are the things that I thought about these mute idols. When in truth, that's, they can't offer that. They can't fulfill that. They can't satisfy that. And so it's just a lie. Jesus says you can't serve two masters, but this is, I mean, this, they need to be reminded of this because they forgot, and the reality for them is this used to be their reality, but it's not anymore, and so we'll, we'll move on, and this kind of leads directly into verse 3, but before we go to verse 3, um, we're going to just if if you're in the room and you're and you're not a Christian and you're kind of wondering or um, you're in this place where you're like oh you know okay that's great but you know um, but you know that's that doesn't really that doesn't really apply to me um, this is this verse should directly speak to you so it this is what it's this is what the question really is it's not it's not do you worship something right. It's like, oh, Adam, I don't have a statue, and my career is not my God, like you may think. So but you do worship something, every person, person worships, and so the question's not do we worship, but what, what is it that you worship? And this, this should remind us of that. Um, if, if you need kind of like a litmus test to identify what that is... Um, it may be the thing that you think about most often. It may be the thing that if you lost it, it would like totally crush you. You say, oh, you know, but I'm, I'm spiritual, you know, I, ha- I have you a know, spiritual life and that's great, but what spirit? It's like, oh, but I believe in God, but what God? What God? And the way you answer that question is hugely important. Because realistically, what he's saying is either worship God or you worship demons. And it may work out for now, but it won't work out in the end. It matters. So, what do you worship? Let's go on to verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So here's the real litmus test of a Christian. We all say, well, how do I know I'm a Christian, or how do I know my friend's a Christian, or whatever? Um, the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit live in you? Is He changing your heart and your mind? Is He giving you life? Is the Holy Spirit in you? That's That's the only way to know if somebody is a Christian. The Holy Spirit lives in them. Now, a critical person might say, oh, that's not true. Look at this. The Bible's not true. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not a Christian. Jesus is Lord. (laughs) Jesus is Lord. Bible's wrong. Right? Right? That's, like, that's how we think. That's, that's how I would have thought. If, I was, if, if Adam at 23 years old, who was just going to the first church for the first time, came across this verse, that's exactly what I would have done with this. Um, anybody can walk downtown with a $100 bill in their hand, go to Dundas Square and say, hey, I will give you this $100 bill if you would just say, Jesus, Lord, could you do that for me? And they would say it because I would have said it. Yeah, Jesus, Lord, th- thanks for the hundred bucks, sucker. Right? <laughs> Uh, but is that, is that what he means, right? We just have to be honest for a second. Is that what he means, that someone could just blindly say those words and they have the Holy Spirit? That's not what he means. We have to say no to that. What he, what he has to mean here is nobody can say Jesus is Lord, love Jesus, serve Jesus, walk with Jesus and mean it, and mean it. There's a really interesting verse that will help inform this um, because even Jesus says that some people will call Him Lord, Lord, right, if we remember this. Jesus is approached by some people and they, they like to do religious things. Like, Jesus, we cast out demons and you know we, we, we did this all in your name, Lord, Lord. What does he say to them? Does anybody remember? I don't know you. I don't know you. Who are you? So no one can say Jesus is Lord and mean it except in the Holy Spirit. Um, We're going to move on eventually and talk about some spiritual gifts that are seemingly like very supernatural, Um, but one of the most amazing spiritual gifts, one of the most miraculous spiritual gifts that could ever happen right in front of your eyes. Is when the Holy Spirit indwells somebody who used to be worshiping false idols and now they worship the God of all creation. They used to be walking in death and now they're walking in life. They used to be uh, depressed and downtrodden and joyless and searching after happiness and, and now they have a real joy that sustains them through life. And, and no matter what their circumstances, they can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and know that the shepherd is with them. Always. They can, instead of live a life that's selfish, they can live a life that's selfless, like Jesus did. That's an amazing Holy Spirit miracle. That's amazing. And so, as we continue to move on and talk about spiritual gifts, um, let's not get caught up on ones that seem very supernatural and out there and crazy. Because actually, the craziest Holy Spirit gift is salvation when God turns the heart of someone to Him. Cool. So, let's keep going. We're going to go through the next three verses pretty quick. So, there's a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Um, It's important to note right here that uh, there's three things that Paul always talks about when he talks about spiritual gifts. It is um, maintaining the unity of the body. Nice. Celebrating the diversity that God brings to it and the importance of maturing around these topics. Okay, and so Paul's going to hit these three things. So the body is next week. Maturity is the week after that. Um, Right, growing in love. What does it look like for the body to be intertwined together, um, and maturity, right? He literally says, at one point, I was a child. I acted like a child. I thought like a child, and, and I was a child. And now, I'm a man, That we can actually mature in these things. And every time, this is in Romans, uh, when he talks about spiritual gifts. This is in Ephesians, when he talks about spiritual gifts, right? He goes, says, some things were given to the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, shepherds, evangelists, all this, um, and then he has this… this um, this, a bunch of verses on why, right, so that we can grow up into the head, so we won't be tossed to and fro like we are when we're children, right, that we can actually stand firm in the faith. So um, there's going to be a whole bunch of spiritual gifts uh, throughout all of Scripture, and, uh, and it's important to remember that all of these th- three things are important when we talk about spiritual gifts. It's maintain unity, right, that's what he's saying here, the same Spirit, it's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. We can celebrate diversity. There's a variety of gifts. That's cool, right? And someone's different than me. Someone's different than me, and they have a different gift, and I can really appreciate that because God, we'll see in, in, in a minute, is going to manifest himself through the church, through every person in the church, and it's beautiful, but we have to be careful. We need to mature. Cool. All right. Verse 5, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, same point, hammering it over and over and over. This beautiful diversity, let's stay together, because this is all about God. Um, And somebody even, this, this came to me this week, somebody even may have the exact same spiritual gift as you, but the way it plays out, right, the different ways of serving, varieties of service... But it's still one Lord that commands all of them. And so we don't have to say, well, oh, that person is a really weird evangelist. This is how I do it. Like, they should do it like me because, you know, they don't, they don't really know Jesus or love people. They have, to, they have to do it in the exact same way I do. And if they do it like that, then we could be friends. And, uh, and then everything's good, Right. No, they're actually, it's going to play itself out in different ways. And we should, we should learn those things about each other. We should appreciate those things about each other. Um, cool. Let's keep going. Verse 6. Oh, Same point. Look at this. There's a variety of activities. But the same God who empowers them all and everyone. This is a beautiful, actually, those three verses, right? Spirit, Lord, God, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, great Trinitarian language around this, that God, even in himself, is diverse, but one, unified. Uh, This word here, activities, um, I just want to talk a little bit about it. Uh, You can see this word, um, this is a translation of a crazy Greek word, right? But I'm not going to get too much into it. Basically, we can see this uh, word to mean activities or workings out or effectivenesses. There's there's a variety of levels of effectiveness of each gift in the church. Um, Let's let's just talk about uh, the implications of that. So um, we would say that Paul, the guy who wrote this book, has the gift of healing. Would we? Would we say that? Did Paul heal anybody? Yes. Peter knows. He's read his Bible. (laughs) <laughs> Paul healed some people, right? Paul healed some people. Paul even uh, touched like handkerchiefs and gave them out, and his handkerchiefs healed people. like that's crazy. Paul is a gift of healing, you know what I mean. But did every time Paul prayed for some someone did, did they get healed? No, that's Peter again. He knows. <laughs> no, they didn't. Paul prayed for himself, didn't get healed. Paul prayed for a ministry partner, didn't get healed. Paul prayed for another ministry partner. You know what he said? "Ah, Drink some wine (laughs) because it didn't get healed, right? There's more instances where Paul, with the gift of healing, uh, prayed for healing and it didn't happen than there are instances where Paul prayed for healing and it happened. There's different effectivenesses in the way that God empowers these things. Cool. So this leads into uh, the next verse, which brings about the, the bottom line. Because Mike's not here, I had to make sure we didn't miss out on the bottom line. All right. This is what it's all about. Let's actually show the verse before we show the thing, uh, if we can. Cool. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right, let's go to the bottom line. What does that mean? Spiritual gifts are about God. And they're for others. This is, this is how we have to think of this. They're not about you and for yourself. Same thing with the pile of toys in my living room. They're for all the kids who come to my living room, right? And Blakely's going to do it. She's going to have little brothers and sisters one day. And she's going to go, mine, right? And we're going to say, no, these toys are for everyone. Because who gave you that toy? Actually, I didn't even give her that toy, most of the toys. <laughs> Alex and Leticia gave her all of the toys she owns, basically. <laughs> uh, and uh, and they're, they're really, they're not hers, right? They didn't come from her, they didn't, uh, she didn't choose them. We limit the time she gets to spend with them or not, right? They're not about her. Spiritual gifts are about God and they're for others, not about you and for yourself. All right. We're going to focus on this specific verse for a while, um, because in 2018, in 2018, our, we're going to spend an entire year going through spiritual theology, uh, spiritual warfare, spiritual gifts. Like we, this is this is super important for us that we understand spiritual gifts in this way, and we're going to spend an entire year talking about it as a church. So we can all grow in maturity together. Okay. It's it's a good thing. It's going to be good. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Um, A lot of us have questions like this. Like, what are my spiritual gifts? If if you're a Christian or a new Christian, you may ask, what are my spiritual gifts? Um. You may also ask, how do I use it? I took a spiritual gifts test. And it said, I have the gift of hospitality. How do I use that? Or... I have the gift of evangelism, but I hate talking to people. (laughs) How does that work? How do I use the gift of evangelism but never talk to anyone? (laughs) Right? Those are the questions we're asking. Um, And so here we go. It's important to note the first thing that he says here. uh, Let's go back to the verse on the screen uh the yes yeah that one to each is given okay this is very important for us Um, because if you're a christian god is going to use you it's as simple as that to each is given there's no to each except or to each but not this person you know there's none of that just says to each is given the manifestation of the spirit so god will use you We're going to see next week, um, there's some people in the church who will say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm an I'm a arm, that's my part of the body, this is me, I'm the arm, but, you know, I'm not as cool as, like, the eye, right? And so, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not as important, maybe I don't even have to be around, you know, maybe I'll just go to another church, or maybe I'll just, you know, not even go to church anymore. Um, or other people will say, you know, it, it could be the other way around, right? You, you disqualify yourself. I'm an arm. I'm not important. I'm not an eye because eyes are very important. We need to see. Um, or it could be the other way around where you disqualify other people where you're like, oh, that person is, that person's only a, a baby toe. Definitely don't need baby toes, right? It's all about the big toe. That's the one that keeps us standing up straight. And if we didn't have big toes, everyone would just fall over all the time, right? And so that that plays itself out. But it's important to note that to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. A lot on that next week because all of this, Paul's unpacking a whole bunch of things over the next few weeks, which is why we're slowing down on this. Um, Next part of it. So to each is given. All of us are involved. Um, But remember, it's not about you. You're involved in this, but it's not about you. The manifestation of the Spirit. What does that mean? That sounds crazy and weird. It is a little bit. Um, just This will make it simple for us. Uh, what does it mean, the Spirit? We'd say the Holy Spirit, right? Who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. So you could say, to each is given the manifestation of God for the common good, The Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we think about this. um, If we get caught up thinking about specific gifts, we may miss that it's about God. Say, oh, speaking in tongues. God is speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. That can happen, right? And actually just manifest God. And we're going to get to a list. There's a bunch of lists. There's a bunch of super uh, crazy gifts there. Um, And let's remember, these are about manifesting God, not just manifesting our gifts. So, um, let's look at Romans 1, because this will help inform, I think, how we think about this. So, uh, we, can, we can manifest God in a way that builds up the faith of other people. And I think this is the best way for us to think about manifesting God to each other. Um, in verses 11 and 12, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So even Paul, he's, a, he's an apostle, right? We think of these as like Christian superheroes almost, right? Right? Even he knows that in his depositing of a spiritual gift, in his manifesting God to another church, that both parties are going to be built up in faith. And so, if we think about spiritual gifts in general, we want to manifest God to people in a way that builds up their faith. Hopefully, we're getting somewhere with that. Hopefully, I'm threading the needle (laughs) in the right way. Um, So… If you're new to spiritual gifts, think about it like that. Manifest God, build them up in faith. This is how it works practically. Someone's struggling in life. You say, well, hey, I'm going to give you some of my time and my resources because you're struggling. Manifest God to them. Maybe they need emotional care. They need someone to just listen and be with them and cry with them. And you can do that because you're manifesting God to the people around you. If someone's believing lies, you can speak truth in love into that person's life. That's manifesting God to people. The main thing as you speak truth is you can speak the word of God right into their situation. If someone's in sin, you can confront them face to face in love, in relationship, and appeal to them to turn back to Jesus. Turn back to Jesus. You're walking into sin, turn around, turn back to Jesus. That's manifesting God. Jesus is a loving servant king. Turn back to Him. Someone's sick, you can pray for their healing. That's where we start. We just do it. We just try it. We just see if God is going to manifest Himself through the church to other people. This, this like, totally changed how I thought about spiritual gifts. We focus on manifesting God and not just being manifesting God healing for the sake of, yes, I healed somebody, right? Let's just manifest God to people. That changes everything about spiritual gifts. If someone's lonely, we can just make friends with them. That's manifesting God. So, let's not get too myopically focused on each individual gift. And the best example of all this is just look at the life of Jesus. Feel like, oh, I don't know where to start, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do that, just look at Jesus. Just look at, look at his life, look at what he did, look at how he acted, look at the things he said, you know, the people he hung out with, the places that he went. Because Jesus is God become a man face-to-face with us. And his life, he's not just some, like, Superman, like, human, right? Like, oh, it's Jesus. Of course, he got it right every single time, right? No, Jesus was fully human, and he lived life, literally says in the scriptures, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. Is empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus' life, fully human, led by the Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus is without sin. That's what's amazing about it. But if you're a Christian, you can live a life like Jesus lived. And lastly, this is for the common good. So when we see this. This is a tricky word, right? Common good. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this is, yeah, the last part of that, verse 7, I think. Common good is kind of a strange word, like, all oh, the good. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's all good, man. You know, just, I'm a good person. Don't worry about it. Um, But society's kind of hijacked it for us to mean that. What this this really means, and this is made 100% super clear in chapter 14 as he continues to unpack this. So in chapter 14, verse 12, he clarifies, um, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. It's almost the exact same thing, right? We're looking for manifestations of the Spirit to excel in building up the church. This is the most heartbreaking thing as a pastor to see people whom God has given gifts to, and they, they take them and they hide in a corner, and, or, they, or they just want other people to manifest God to them, but they refuse to manifest God to other people, and they go from church to church to church, uh, taking, 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 give, as long as this service is provided for me, and as long as you are available for me, and my sake, and as long as, and it just goes around. And we've had people who've come, been from a, another church and come to Trinity Life and they want and they want and they want and we give and we give and we give and they never give back and then, oh, I'm going to go to another church. I got, I got what I feel like is everything. They go to another church. They cycle around. They've been to Trinity Life. They go to other churches and then they come back to Trinity Life again. And it's, it's ah, It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Because their spiritual gifts are meant for the church. They're meant to manifest God to the people around them. That's where we find joy. That's where we find life. And this can happen to us. This can happen to our leaders. This is when we stop asking God for vision. Where are we going, God? This is when we stop seeking the good of the people around us on our teams. We just want something that's convenient for our schedule or, or we want to use people to serve our particular ministry purpose but thankfully god is a god who is known in community when the church is manifesting god to the church people come in paul says later in the same book he says people will come into the church and they'll see them worshiping singing songs and and the word is preached and they fall on their faces and they say surely god is among you cuz god is made known in community we're going to quickly go through these these verses verse 8 to 10 where it's just the list of spiritual gifts and I'm I would, have, I would love to tell you a little bit about each spiritual gift, but that's for another time because that's actually not the point of what Paul is talking about here is that we learn about these spiritual gifts. The point is he's correcting the way we think about how we use these gifts, right? So, for to one is given uh, through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, This is, the Bible translation we use, ESV, is probably wrong on this, that there's many different gifts for many different kinds of healings, um, which is why Paul sometimes heals and sometimes doesn't, because God is doing it the way he wants. um, By one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between the spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. God will want to use you to do a number of different things and be open, and be ready, be amazed. It's going to happen. And I'll close with verse 11. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news that God wants to use you, and He's going to use you in the way that He wants because He's good. Just think about someone working on Bay Street who just hates their life. Or they're they're working anywhere. It doesn't have to be Bay Street. Bay Street's not like completely horrible, right? But they just stuck. Like they took finance, they took economics, right? They just like, just don't know how to do anything except that, right? And so they just do it, right? Let's say it's like a philosophy person. They go to school for philosophy and so they think, "Oh, I just have to become a professor in philosophy, right?" That's the only track they see for for that. Do you think you have the gift of teaching? Does that mean you're going to be a preaching pastor? Maybe not, right? That's that's maybe not the only way that your gift can be outworked. Because God apportions it as he wills to do the things that he wants to do in the church. This is the word for us as a church. Let's be excited for God to use us in new and creative ways and tap into what the Spirit of God is doing here and the unique ways in which God has knitted us together to manifest Him to each other. Oh, what kind of a church that would be. Oh, what we would see in this church, right? What would we see? And here's the truth. God will never leave someone behind who he wants to manifest himself through. Like if you want to see God manifest through you, he's not going to leave you behind. He's going to manifest himself through you. just may not be the way that you think. Be open and be ready for new and creative ways for God to manifest himself in you.